0: All right, ATP podcast, episode six. Today I have with me Laura Rogers, who is a trainer out of St. Pete, Florida, yep, you right? Got it. yep. And uh, this will be interesting for me because this is actually the first one I've done with someone that I didn't really know at all. Really. So I met you one time, we came into our facility here, checked it out and uh, hit it off a little bit. And I'm curious to see, you got a lot of good things to say that we'll talk about here. And where I want to start with kind of is just what uh, what brought you into the field? You know, any, anything that you feel is relevant to got where you are today or where you started as well. Kind of what what brought you into wanting to be a trainer?
1: Yeah. Um, first, thanks, just Jake, for having me over here. I think this is really cool. Anyone that that wants to listen or learn or, or talk fitness and just trying to improve, I think is is an awesome opportunity. So first, just thanks for yeah. for having me here. Um, I. I'm so driven by just seeing people happy. So I think that's the biggest thing that, um, you know, I went to college and I started out in business school and it wasn't clicking for me at all. I was hating it. Um, I was always at the gym. I was the one that was in sweatpants while everyone else was all dressed up in business classes. And I was like, well, I'm here for comfort. You know, I don't understand. And it's it's college. Why am I dressing up for an 8 a.m. class? I don't get it. And uh, I actually failed out of business school a B student my whole life. That was a shock. Okay. And um it was my mom that said, Hey, why don't you try this exercise science program? And I was like, What do you mean? You can major in exercise science? Like, that's really cool. So I started there. I got my degree in exercise science um, out of University of Northern Colorado. And then my brother was playing baseball and I went to, to just visit the family and he took me to this training facility that was a sports performance facility and I had no idea what it was. It's where his whole team was training and I walked in and it was just a turf, it was a basketball court, like, oh my gosh, this is cool. Mm-hmm. And so I got to join into his his workout. I was so sore the next day, I remember laying on the floor, I could not move. It was something that was so different for me and I loved it and it was that moment that I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to help people be better. better. I want to help people get more out of their life. And I want to do it in this kind of a setting, like sports performance, just just a little bit more free form than just in a gym. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my my deep background on kind of how I got projected this way. And then, you know, one thing led to another. Um, I decided that I wanted to live in Florida, so what better opportunity than just an internship? So I was like, hey, I'm going to take an internship in Florida, and I found one at a sports performance facility, so I got that. Um, they were relatively new at the time, and it was Velocity Sports Performance, so that at the time they were a pretty big chain, but this location was was new. So I went from an internship right into a hired position, so okay. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, I definitely want to stay. You guys are brand new. I can learn so much. And that turned into becoming the assistant director and really kind of running the whole program. The director was not always there. Um, So it was me with just a small staff and I learned so much about the business side of things and how not to do it because they were out (laughs) of business in about three years, I think. Okay. Um, So I learned a lot from... Just how you treat your staff, how you run a business, or maybe I should say how not to do that. But then, again, just more about the performance training mentality and how much I just, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And with them, I worked with a lot of kids, and I realized that's really where I connect with people. So,
0: What, uh, what age group, typically?
1: Those were more, in that particular facility, it was more high school than okay. anything. Yeah. Um they were, yeah, they were a few middle schools, a few younger. We had some eight and nine-year-olds, but for the most part, it was high school kids in that gym. And for the really young ones, it, I was usually the go-to person because the other staff members didn't really want to do it. They didn't have the mm. patience for it. They're like, Laura, you take them. Like, okay, I'll do it. And I, that's how I realized, like, no, I actually really enjoy this. Yeah. I connect with them. I have the patience for them. I love seeing them learn new things. And so, again, that just kind of progressed more and more to, I really like this. We need this in the industry for kids to be able to train because now, these days, schools are not what it was when you and I were in school. You know, PE is not a thing. And there's so many more devices that people can sit on and play on yeah. and not go out and play outside yes. that you know, now as our world is changing. We need a place for kids to be able to work out and move mm-hmm. and learn these skills that, you know, I myself would have gotten because I was playing with the neighborhood kids outside yeah. Yeah. running around all the time. I was never allowed to be inside. It was always <laughs> like, go outside, go play in the yard. Like, don't come back in until you're hungry or it's dark. Like, we'll <laughs> see you later. And so that's where I was learning how to play and how to move and, and just be active. You know, my my TV time was very limited. We were we were truly limited. Like you can have an hour this day and then it turns off and you go do something else. Mm-hmm. And these days it's so different. You you aren't outside running around. You aren't just going to play with friends. So many of the kids I work with now, playing with friends means getting online and literally playing video games yeah. with headsets on. Yeah. Great, but very, very different. And so when I saw that I I enjoyed this. I was connecting with the kids. I wanted to do something bigger, then that's where I decided I was going to open my own facility. So that was a process over I don't know probably 10 years or so oh, wow. of training and, and, you know, working. I worked at another sports performance facility for a year as well.
0: Okay, so you were at Velocity process
1: for, th- for three. three. Yep, and I then... didn't. And then I left because they went out of business mm-hmm. and I needed a job. So I was debating, do I go back to school or do I just get another job? And it worked out that I got a job, just personal training. So that let me just do, I guess, classic personal training. I was in a wellness center. I was training adults. Okay. Um, kind of let me see a different side. So I was in the performance style gym where it's just turf and weights and you're, you're moving your body. Mm -hmm. And then I went into the gym where there's a bunch of equipment and you know, it was a very different style of training, different clientele. So again, I I loved it, but I realized that I missed the performance part. Mm -hmm. So I found another job with a sports performance place in Tampa. Um, very well known at the time. It was just a, a, one guy that had started his gym, um, worked with him for a year, had to quit because I was allergic to the new building that he moved into. There was mold. Oh, uh, okay. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, there was mold in his new building that he moved into as we eventually found out and my health just went downhill. And I eventually had to quit. So that forced me out of that. And it was at that point that I was like, yeah, I'm going to open my own. And I'm tired of bouncing around gym to gym. I know that I, I know my training philosophy. I know that I can do this. So I educated myself on how to start a a business and that was not easy. But then that's eventually how it got me to having my own place. So that was kind of the long progression of how I knew I wanted to get the gym Mm -hmm. and how I... I, I guess followed my own passion, but it was more just, I've always been the person that I won't do a job unless I'm happy. Hmm. So, you know, my first job at 16 years old, I worked at a fun center with go-karts and putt putt <laughs> because I wanted something fun. Yeah. I refused to do like a fast food or something that just didn't seem fun to me. Right. And that's kind of been my mentality for my entire life. I worked at a sporting goods store because I thought that would be fun because it was sports and it was still retail. I didn't like it. Um, (laughs) so I didn't work at that for very long in college. And so I've always had that mentality of, if I don't like it, I'm not going to do it for very long. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted something that makes me excited to, to go to work and, and have a bigger purpose than make a paycheck. Right. That's never been my, my driving force for anything. So, Mm -hmm. um, I've always been driven by, you know, how can I make people's lives better? How can I make my life better? And how can I have fun doing it? So yeah. that's kind of my underlying philosophy and growth towards.
0: No, that's the last awesome. 12 years. So, did you play sports growing up? Then you kind of said you were in, into the gym a lot. The person at college yeah. always in the gym, but uh, you...
1: I did um, mostly softball. Okay. That was the only one I played competitively. Um, from young age, I started in baseball. <clears throat> I'm the, the oldest child and my father put me in baseball first. I don't even know if softball was really a thing back then. Um, it certainly wasn't as big as it is now. Yeah. So I started in baseball and then I remember going to competitive softball tryouts and I had a baseball kid glove and I remember the softball barely even fit in that glove. <laughs> and I'm here with other competitive softball players that I swear had been doing it their whole life and you know were at like, I don't know, junior high level. But I felt so like, oh, my gosh, I'm out of my league. What am I doing? And I had a blast. And so I made a competitive team. So I played all the way through high school, um, travel ball, and then high school ball as well. And I unfortunately had a really... Negative high school coach that kind of ruined the experience for me. Mm. So um, never let me play. Never gave me a chance. Never really acknowledged me um, as a human, let alone my my softball skills or bring anything to the team. Yeah. So I sat the bench a lot. Even though I asked her for playing time and what I could do, I worked my butt off and it, it just never really worked. Mm. And so that really discouraged me. So I never went on to play college ball or anything. Okay. I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go to college. I'm just going to enjoy college instead of being so focused on sports. Yeah. So softball was the only thing that I really did. As a family, we were just active. So, I mean, we had a basketball hoop. We would play kickball with the the kids in the neighborhood. So we were always doing something. We took swimming lessons. We would go to the tennis courts as a family and just hit the the ball around. Mm -hmm. So we were always doing something active. But softball was really the only thing that I did competitively. So
0: when did that translate into more the gym workout style, lifestyle versus the sport? Okay, so college was the big introductory toward that.
1: Yep, I got out of that, uh, out of softball. And then... um, At the time, University of Northern Colorado's rec center was like the summer training center for the Denver Broncos. That was like their selling point. It was like, hey, we have a really cool rec center. Now it's absolutely nothing compared to what you see these days in in colleges. But at the time, they had a really well-done rec center. And that just made me excited. I was like, well, that looks really cool. Like, okay. So then me and my roommates, we would start going to all the fitness classes that they offered for students and just enjoyed it. And I liked being there. I liked being active. I liked just moving my body. It was just something that I guess I've always done. I've never mm-hmm. been someone to just sit around and really be lazy. Yeah. I always want to do something or, or move. And so that's where I got introduced to spin classes and I loved it. So um, I've always enjoyed being on a bike. I'm from Colorado. They have a much more bike-friendly lifestyle there. Yeah. So I would bike all over the place. And so then I found spin classes and that was awesome so that just kind of spurred this like oh this whole exercise thing is really cool so I was at the rec center often and and that's what made me happy and making time for it and everything I mean we we made a social event too you know all my roommates and and everyone we'd we'd make a group of it so you know we'd go work out and then we'd go to the dining hall afterwards so it was always this fun social thing too but for me it was just it it was something that just felt right to me like yeah I want to be here and I I want to do it well, you know, I'm, I want to pay attention to what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm, I I took it very seriously. So, you know, if something was hurting or something, I was always trying to figure it out. Like why, you know, and then I like, I remember my roommate, um, she had back problems and she would complain of different back pain. I, I was always trying to analyze it. Well, Maybe, maybe it's this and maybe it's that. And, of course, I know nothing. I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, yeah. I don't maybe it could be this. And, you know, I have no education really at that point. But that's where it just kind of all started to fall into place for me. And you like,
0: liked figuring out the problem she had and like, ooh, how could I, you know, help her out? How, how could I, could I take care of this? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I enjoyed uh, – and once I switched majors, that's when I really learned like, oh, my gosh, I, I love these classes. I love learning about the body. Mm-hmm. I – I loved, you know, going to the the labs that were three hours long. When I had to sit in business classes, it just, it wasn't clicking. It was yeah. draining. I couldn't get the homework. It was frustrating. Switch me over to exercise science, and I, I want to go to class. My grades are improving. I'm excited. I like the labs. I like figuring things out. So, yeah, it was just the process of, like, wow, I can, this is a thing. You can, mm-hmm. you can educate yourself on yeah. what the body is, and, and that was just so exciting to me that, you can learn those things. Like it wasn't even something I had thought about before college. Like you can do this kind of stuff. And I remember too, one of the years that we were training um, on a softball team, it must've been in high school, the before sports performance and and that kind of training was really a big thing at all. It's, I guess it's still a growing niche in the market these days. But um, when I was in high school, we had the trainer for the Colorado avalanche, come down and train us. Oh, wow. And that's like, what? that That's cool. Like, you train the avalanche. We, we want to come, like, work with you. We're playing softball, and he is hockey. Yeah. But, but, still. but still, it was like this cool factor. And so it was all optional, and a few of us on the team signed up for it. Uh, we did it at the batting cages. It was just on the, the side where they just had a little bit of room in their back. And I remember he set up a speed ladder, and I remember doing ladder, and I remember holding planks, thinking this is really hard. Like again, no one had ever taught you these kind of things. You mm-hmm. learn softball moves, but you don't learn strength moves. Mm. And so the fact that we were doing planks and I couldn't hold it—that's like a, a vivid memory for me—is yeah. you know that moment having that coach teach me how to do a plank and doing the speed ladder and having so much fun doing it, but not even knowing. I mean, this takes me back, you know, into high school. So, but yeah. again, before even knowing that that's a thing. That was kind of my first introduction to oh wait you can you can train mm-hmm. and then you know then I go to college and I, I'm in classes and then I go see my brother's training facility that he was at with his baseball team and then it, it was just kind of this big picture you know it's funny how life just kind of guides you that way yeah. if you pay attention and so having all those things is the memories that stood out for me was like oh yeah this this all works this all is clicking this is all what makes me really happy yeah so,
0: yes yeah, yeah. one of the reasons like I love. Training in particular is like the carryover to other things in your life, not just your sport or whatever your goals are, but everything else. So I'm a big proponent in carryover all the way. Did you find that any of your time in business school, any of the skills you picked up there, that carryover at all to you developing your own training business or just you as a you know employee, contractor, any any of that type of stuff? Did you feel like you got anything out of that, or you could say <laughs> it's a waste of time?
1: Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I I do laugh because. I failed out of business school and here I am with my own business. So I have to laugh <laughs> at like, well, you know, what's right. the connection really from college? Cause yeah. you know, if, if they're telling me in school, you're not going to make it through the business classes. It's, it was more proof to me that while I, I didn't enjoy myself in business school, it didn't mean I can't do it later mm-hmm. and learn it other ways. Mm. So when I was, taking the business classes, that was, I think, my first year and a half. So freshman into sophomore year is all I I made it. And freshman year is really just the general classes. So I didn't really dig too deep into business school. I did know that I hated accounting. That was just my, like, what is happening? I knew that it was simple, but my brain was just like, nope, mm -mm, we're not, we're not going to spend time on this. And even though math was like a good subject of mine, it just wasn't lining up. And so I, I kind of knew that part, Coming into, like, my own business of, like, okay, I remembered accounting was not my strength,
0: Mm.
1: but I'm a super organized person, and I'm good with math, Mm. so let me do this my own way. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of how I designed my business was I'm going to make this work for me, knowing that, you know, I didn't necessarily do it by the textbook accounting style, but I had all of my numbers balanced. I tracked every dollar. I, Mm. I knew my own system. Yeah. So... That is kind of what carried over for me was like, okay, if I don't do it that way, I can do it this way and I can still be successful Mm. and, you know, basically just put a system in place that, that shows you're organized and that lets you keep track of the business and then be able to file taxes. And as long as you can do that, you're good to go. Yeah. So I didn't necessarily have to prove it to anybody, you know, like you do in class. I have to, I have to pass with an A. With this, it was just make it work. So one of the classes too, as, as I was finishing up my senior year was, you had to, I think it was a big project, but you had to come up with something. And I remember that I chose opening a gym. And mm. so I think that me going to business school was always maybe in the back of my mind, maybe that subconscious, like you will one day own a business. Mm. I think that's why I maybe chose okay. business school, yeah. but then it didn't work. And then life just kind of swung me in this exercise field and I liked it. And and everything that just kind of came out was like, Oh, maybe a gym one day. Oh, maybe, you know, maybe do this and maybe do that. And I think it's kind of the big picture was my big takeaway. Like, you know, I went to business school because I knew I wanted to do something in business, but it wasn't the corporate business style. It turned out to be fitness and running my own business. And then later on, you know, I found other resources that would teach me how to run a fitness business. So that's where I ended up getting all my education from specifically. So that's really where it came from.
0: Yeah. So what was the like. What was the best part about being your own business? What was the hardest part about being your own business,
1: um, especially
0: in relation to this field?
1: Yeah, the best is, (laughs) you know, fitness professionals, we all think we're the best. Yeah. And (laughs) we all think we have the right answers. We all think Mm -hmm. we're, you know, I can do it better than them. And, oh, I I would do that drill better. I would do it. Yeah. The body is still the body, you know. Whether you put a lunge at the beginning of a program or you put it at the end, you're still going to lunge. That person's still going to be doing mm-hmm. that movement. We could fight all day long about where, you know, you should put it and why that's better or worse. But it really came down to not necessarily the the exercise programming I want to do on my own. I wanted my own environment. Yeah. I knew that I wanted to set up a very particular training environment and so that's what I would say was the best part of having my own place mm-hmm. was that I got to drive the way that we talk to our clients and the way that people would come in and work out wasn't just you know if you're coming into my gym it's not you're going to come in sweat and leaf like I'm not that kind of a gym where I'm mm. just going to yell stuff at you so you can start <laughs> sweating and then you can walk out the door congratulations yeah yeah This isn't about my ego. It's not about how much can I burn you out. It's about how much better can I make you feel. And so if you're coming in and you're saying, you know, maybe as an adult saying, oh, my hip really hurts, then we're going to address it and we're going to go about it with different corrective exercises and and we're going to do workouts very differently. And I didn't see a lot of people doing that and taking Mm -hmm. the care for that, you know, in the the one, um, the sports performance studio I worked for, the second one that I worked for in Tampa, I remember having a couple athletes coming to me with issues, kind of the same thing. I remember a volleyball player saying my shoulder hurts, and I remember how none of that was addressed in her program, mm. and how it was just follow the program and you're going to be fine. Yeah. And I would pull her off to the side and say, "Well, then let's try this and let's try that." And it, those were kind of the moments that I was like, "Wow, if I had my own place, this wouldn't have to be a side thing. Mm-hmm. It would be it would be front and center. If you have an issue, we're going to take care of it." Yeah. And so it was really just being able to control that environment and you know controlling the music and you know i'm not big on curse words so Mm. the other gym i worked at you know they'd have young kids in in there and dropping f-bombs all the time and that's fine that's that environment but i i wasn't feeling connected with that i didn't want to put young kids in an environment with harsh derogatory curse words as their motivational music Mm. i wanted a different environment Mm. and so to be able to control that was my really my my big I guess, motivation for that.
0: Yeah, no, I can see that. I do feel like you said, every every trainer thinks, you know, I'm the right one, I've got the best one. And to a degree, I think you have to kind of have that mentality because you have to believe in what you're doing. You right. want to do what you think is best. Right. But it is balancing it with, you know, when you work with other people and stuff like, okay, well, do I have to do this versus what I want to do? And, you know, yeah, I can see that being the real upside is being able to, I'm going to go with what I feel because I believe in it. And I think that's ultimately how you get the best results is just believing in it, doing it, no matter what it is. As long as it's, you know, I mean, obviously you can do stuff to hurt people and right. you got to have your head on right. your shoulders and be somewhat smart about it but in essence once you get the basics down it it's really just again believing in it and trying to do it to your best without you know having anything take away from that mentality yeah yeah
1: a hundred percent because i i say that because there's also a lot of fitness professionals that say i can do it better i'm going to open my own yeah and it's not that simple like just because you think you can do it better is not the right reason to open a gym. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, I can do that so much better than than that trainer was doing it. I'm gonna open my own and I'm gonna prove that. Mm-hmm. That's not the right motivation to open it. I knew that I wanted to create something different on a much bigger level, not just mm-hmm. to prove that my programming could make somebody faster than the other gym. Mm-hmm. It was more about Again, just the, the many layers behind the workout that weren't being addressed that I felt like I could do it differently and yeah. do it better. But the, I, I, I've talked to other professionals where they're like, oh, yeah, I want my own gym just because, not in the exact words, but I know I can do it better. I want yeah. to be able to do it my way. Mm-hmm. That's a fine line between when do you open your gym just because you think you can do it better. Like, there's, there has to be a, okay, do you want the hassle of, running a business because once you open a a gym, you're no longer the trainer. Mm. You're now the business owner Mm -hmm. having to handle all of those behind the scene things that nobody thinks about when they're coming into your workout. You know, when you're training... In a gym as a staff member, it seems so easy. You're coming in and you're doing the workouts, and and a, you you know you can have opinions on the program, but you're not understanding if you're just the trainer. If you if you're more involved, then in, then maybe you know what's going on. But if you're just coming in doing the workouts and leaving, thinking oh I could do this better, mm-hmm. you have to know that there's there's the legal part of setting up a business. There's mm-hmm. the financial side. There's mm-hmm. all this other complicated stuff that goes into your time that takes away from training and so i think i mean you asked the best part you asked the worst i think the worst part is just that there's so much to do that nobody tells you yeah like there's there's websites you can go to for you know your state laws and stuff like that but there is no one laid out thing that says do this do this do this to make sure you are legally a new business mm-hmm. I, I mean you can go hire a lawyer But then that's thousands and thousands of dollars, as I've also learned. But the most frustrating thing is that there's nobody telling you that you're doing it right. Mm. And if you do it wrong, you could end up really screwed. Yeah. But to whose fault? Like, I have been trying to do everything that I can. And I would still find things like, oh, I missed that. Oh, nobody told me that. And even when I'd hired professionals, you know, it turned out I hired the wrong lawyer in the beginning because I just thought I needed a lawyer. I hired a lawyer that didn't focus on business. Mm -hmm. And so when he set me up, he didn't really set up everything he should have until I got another lawyer. was like, oh, well, you need this and this and you need all the right paperwork. Mm -hmm. So, you know, setting up all the contracts and setting up everything to make sure that your butt's covered is very important. And Mm -hmm. there's so many layers to that, that that's what eventually took me out of the passion for training. because. I was setting up my gym by myself and I was also trying to be the main coach and that's impossible like, yeah. It can't be done with how many hours need to go into you know marketing your business you know you could have three great clients that's not going to keep your gym open mm-hmm. you know you got to have more clients coming in and you got to have good marketing you have to have all of you know you have to have a good social media presence these days and all of that takes time mm-hmm. and time away from training, and so when I had to put so much effort into building the business, I lost the passion for why I was doing it. Oh, okay. And so I think that was the hardest part of, you know, I'm struggling to do the thing that I love the most. Yeah. And I, I lost my own personal workouts because that was the first thing to go like, okay, it's okay. I'm, I'm still active in my job, so it's okay. I'll, I'll skip that workout mm-hmm. that quickly snowballs into, wow, I haven't worked out in two months. (laughs) But I got to get my books done. It's the end of the month. I got to go do the books. All right, never mind. And so it just goes, kind of gets pushed by the wayside because there's so much else that takes priority when that becomes your only income Mm -hmm. and you know you got to pay rent on the gym you got to pay your own bills and again you got to keep everybody happy you got to keep everyone coming in the door it's not easy to do so especially with sports performance because kids are leaving to go play sports Mm -hmm. you know if i were to open a personal training studio it might be a little more steady but my main market is kids and they go back to school they go back to their sport so it was really important that i had you know a consistent flow of people coming in and that certainly doesn't happen just because you open the door and put a sign up. Right, People don't just come in. Yeah. So that was definitely the hardest part So
0: in your opinion then, when do you think is appropriate to cross that line and are there any differences you would consider as far as readiness, as far as being maybe just an independent contractor versus opening your own facility and kind of where do you see the line on both of those if they're different or if they're the same?
1: you have to really want to own a business. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to... Or you have, or you find a partner that runs the business mm. part. But you genuinely have to want to own a business and work your butt off for it. Because if you're just doing it because you want to work out and train people, like if you're just doing it for the fitness part of it, going independent contractor is by far the best option because you get to... Focus on your craft, which mm-hmm. is training people, and allotting time for that. If you want to open a gym or any business, that is such a giant chunk of time that it changes your title. Mm-hmm. You know, I—you're no longer just trainer; you're now business owner first. Because if that business doesn't exist, you don't get to train. Yeah. So if. If you go to look at, you know, all the layers of owning a business and that doesn't make you excited, you know, yes, you can you can hire an accountant to do the books and you can hire out someone to do your marketing, but that costs money. Yeah. So, where are you at financially with that? Can you hire somebody right away? Most people cannot. So, are you willing to do the marketing? Are you willing to keep track of the books? Are you willing to do all the stuff it takes before you get to do the thing you love the most, which is mm-hmm. train somebody? So, if you're not willing to put in long hours. I mean, trainers are used to long hours, mornings, nights, we're used to the weird hours, but if you're not ready for extra hours on top of that mm-hmm. of keeping things incredibly organized and and just keeping your business running, if that becomes stressful and not fun, you're going to lose focus on your training. Mm-hmm. So you, you genu- genuinely, have to say, yeah, I want to become a business owner first. Mm. You know, it's important that I have my name on this business, or it's important that I generate my own income with this, but you have to be so certain. It's never as easy as it looks on right. paper. You know, they'll right. tell you to to make a business plan and, and write it all out. And you know, Oh great. I think this month I'm going to get three new clients and next week I'm going to get more clients and it never works like it does on paper. So and just because it's organized on a business plan and you say great tomorrow I open my business and it's going to happen just like that it won't yeah. it'll never you have to be ready for good months bad months you have to you have to plan for so many more things so if you're just excited about training then keep your focus on training
0: So you would recommend like if you were someone's like well I want to just be able to do my style but I'm not I don't you know I'm not 100% in for this whole business owner right. aspect You would maybe suggest try contracting first. Yeah,
1: find a gym that lets you. Yeah,
0: get somewhere that lets you run it how you want it, but you don't have to worry about all the overhead
1: costs. Right. And then. Right, and all the stress of that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was talking with somebody recently who was kind of in that same pickle of, you know, I really. I like training, but I'm not liking the management at this one gym. You know, I get to train how I want, but I don't like how it's run. Mm. I think I want my own gym. I'm like, uh, be careful. <laughs> That's a really big jump to go from I like this to I want my own. Yeah. And so she was she was looking at her options, and she was learning that, you know, commercial rental property is not cheap, and it's not easy to come by. And you know it's it's probably easier for her to just stay as a trainer and so then she started looking for other gyms that would let her do her thing Mm -hmm. so she was looking at both routes and she realized wait i'm not ready to go my own thing yet. I'm gonna go and keep, you know, independent contracting at these other gyms mm-hmm. and then keep learning about the business. You yeah. know, I'll keep, keep an eye on things, but I'm not gonna jump right into that. So mm-hmm. that was her thought process. And that's really all you can do is, you know, if you have an idea or a thought, you have to run with it. You gotta right. see where it takes you, but you can't be too quick to go, oh cool, there's a property, I'm gonna rent it and I'm gonna own a gym and, and I'm going. Like, make sure you do your research, mm-hmm. you know, check out whatever the state allows you to do, check on, you know, The name, see if it's legally available, the website, all these things that you have to make sure you're not copywriting or stealing something else that's already out there. So there's a lot of things to make sure you. You dot your t's in or cross your Ts and tie your eyes before you you start even opening that, so yeah, if you just want to train, definitely just finding a gym that lets you do the training is the easier route mm-hmm. yeah,
0: so you kind of talked about the environment you wanted at your facility. Will you touch a little more on on that exactly what what was your environment were you, were you still focusing on kids and and, and what kind of things were were you doing, what were you focused on as far as the training itself
1: yeah um Oh, that's a, a broad question. Um, However
0: you feel fit to answer. Yeah.
1: Um, I wanted it to be a gym for kids. Okay. I think bottom line is is that's what I wanted. Um, you know, I wanted to work with athletes, but... I quickly realized as I got my place open, you know, the first few people to come in the doors, not all of them were high level athletes. Mm-hmm. There were friends of those athletes that wanted to work out but no longer played sports. And I was like, "Well, yeah, you can still come in here." And so I quickly learned that I just want to be a gym for kids okay. because if they're not 2 years old, they probably can't go to the kids zone at the big box gym. Mm-hmm. But they're seeing mom and dad go, and then there's no option for them. If they're not playing sports, what do they do? Nothing. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure it was a welcoming environment for kids. And the attitude with that was fun. So, you know, if they came in for a workout and... Maybe it was test week because my gym is in Florida and they way over test these kids. So they have a bunch (laughs) of standardized tests that they have to go through. So maybe it was a standardized testing week and the kids are burned out. They're cranky. They they need to move because they haven't been moving. But they're also just like zoned out. There's no way their brain's going to do anything else. Yeah. I can't teach on no those days. No attention span. Yeah. They're not going to learn anything. They're not going to learn anything. So then how do I find the balance of fun, but still getting them a workout and still making it productive so we're not just running around in circles. Mm-hmm. But it would. it became this balance of a stress release for kids. Let them come in, let them chat, let them talk to me. And, you know, if a session happened to be more talking than workout one time, then that's okay. Yeah. Because they're going to walk out happier. Mm -hmm. You know, I also had kids that, had come to me for a while and knew that, you know, on finals week, I had high school kids that it's finals week, you know, I got to be studying. They would still come into their workout because they knew how much better they were going to feel because we would just laugh and talk and have fun in the workout. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there was certain, of course I would structure and we'd get a lot done too, but the environment was flexible Mm -hmm. so that if I needed to adapt it and you know, maybe I had a program written for the week that said, we're going to accomplish these things. And the, sometimes the kids would come in and no matter how much I tried, they're kids. They're, if they're zoned out, they're zoned out. Yeah. I can fight that all I want and I could force them to do it. Or I can come down to their level and meet them where they're at and say, all right, guys, look, we're not getting a lot done right now. Mm-hmm. Can we, you know, I'll give you a two minute break, go chat, go have fun. But when I come back, then we're going to get back to work, but we're going to switch gears a little bit. You know, I won't, I won't be so technical anymore. Let's mm-hmm. just, Let's scratch the technical stuff today and let's just play this agility game, Mm -hmm. you know, that incorporates maybe something I was going to do, you know, but not so technical. So just the ability to be flexible and not so strict was a big thing for me. So, um, you know, allowing kids, I had kids as young as four and five coming into me. And so I had to have a gym that had weights for them. So we had little baby kettlebells that were three pounds, I think. So just so they could see it and just so they could pick it up and just so they could, They had something for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't this big bulky performance gym for professional athletes only. It was a fun place for kids to come work out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when when I had the little kids' classes, we would play kids' bop. Is it what I wanted? No. (laughs) Is it the most motivational? They They can they can They can do it (laughs) all right sometimes. But sometimes you're like, that that really wasn't all that great. But it wasn't about me and my my workout. It was about the five-year-olds that loved kids' bop because that's what they know. And so when they're doing their workout and they hear the kids' bop song come on that they love, they start dancing, they're having fun. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the environment that I wanted to incorporate. So, it was a, a very much come in and know that if you're having a problem physically, you address it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a good example of, of this as a, a high school, high level soccer player that her hips would pop when she would do like leg extension drills. So, say we were gonna do some sort of ab drill where you had to lower the legs, mm. her hips would pop. And I made it very well known in the gym that if anything's popping, clicking, hurting, you tell me. I'll decide if it's, you know, good, bad, whatever we need to do with that. But let me know. Just say, hey, this doesn't feel right. And so she would do that. She'd be like, hey, coach, my my hips are popping. And we would adjust it. Like, okay, that's not a good pop. We need to do these couple things. You're going to modify it and you're going to do it this way. Mm -hmm. And she'd be like, hey, it doesn't hurt anymore. And then that same girl would go to her soccer club where they also had their own trainers for their practices and she would tell me later, she's like, no, we were doing things and my hips were popping and I tried to tell them, and they weren't listening. So they were like, just do more, just keep going. So they weren't even addressing the problems. So again, the environment for me was open to talk, like bring Mm -hmm. me your problems. It's okay that, you know, something's not feeling right. right. It's
0: not always suck it up and go. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, Hey, stop and talk it out. Like, let me know what's going on. We adjust, we fix things. And mm -hmm. so having that mentality made it a lot easier to train people when something wasn't right, Mm -hmm. you know, especially with kids, because they're not always going to speak up because they don't know their body. They don't always know what's hurting or, you know, what their leg muscles are. If I tell the the adult, Hey, I need your quads to be burning. They can probably figure that out. If I tell a kid that they're looking at me, like, I don't understand. What do you want from me? I don't know what that, I don't know what that means, but the communication was just, it was lighthearted. It was fun. It was like, Hey, you know, yeah, you totally messed that up. Like you destroyed that. That was not even close to right. Let's laugh it off and let's try again. And it was always a you know, failure's a good thing in the gym. Yeah. So we would have um, we would have athletes training with non athletes. And if my non athlete wasn't keeping up, you might trip over the hurdle, well guess what? We're gonna set it up and do it again. Yeah. Like and that's not a shameful like, oh man, I, I'm not getting it like no, we would laugh, we'd have fun and we'd set it up and we'd do it again. Yeah. And it became a very okay thing to be like man i'm not getting it today like that's all right try it again so or or you switch gears and you let the kids then say okay well you're not getting that one give me something you can do mm-hmm. like create your own then like yeah. say a ladder drill where they're just their feet are just not catching up with it for the day all right well then create your own and then they're like what I'm like create your own like show me one then yeah. and then it, it gets them out of that mindset of frustration they're like oh well Maybe I can do this, and then they go completely crazy with you know doing cartwheels down the the speed ladder. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can't do that. Never mind. Like yeah. you did it though, and but it, it gets them out of that mentality of like, oh, I failed today. Right. No, you didn't fail. You didn't get it, but you're learning. Mm-hmm. Next time you come in, you're gonna get it. You so find that was your
0: way. You don't have to compare yourself to anyone else. Either. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Like, and then it was really cool having the athletes with the non-athletes because we we had a. Uh, we had a competitive environment again it's a performance (laughs) gym everyone was in there to compete and have fun but the non-athletes had just as much fun they never felt intimidated because the kids would talk to kids Mm. and one of my favorite days that was really eye-opening for me was that I had high school girls some athletes, some non, and I had two brand new, I'm going to say, probably 11-year-old high-level soccer player boys. And so I had my girls. They'd been coming to class for a long time. They're giggly. They're in high school. They're, they're there. They know the routine. And I have these two new boys, 11-ish years old, high-level soccer players. They're there to work. Mm-hmm. They're serious, and they have to work in a group with giggly girls. And you could just see the division when they came in. They're like, what in the world are we doing? I didn't say a thing because I I know how the environment works. I know they'll eventually figure it out. I didn't say a thing without me doing anything. All of those girls went right over the boys and shook their hand and introduced themselves. And my jaw dropped. Oh, my gosh. In what world will you see high school girls go talk to 11-year-old boys? Right. And it just totally released all the tension. Cause then everyone was laughing and having a good time and you know, if the girls would laugh, the boys would just kinda roll their eyes like, Who are these crazy girls? But they would <laughs> laugh along with them. They didn't feel isolated or anything yeah. like that. It was just this very much like, yeah, like, you know, if you're laughing and having fun, you can too. And and I would always pull in, you know, if I ask one kid a question and maybe it relates to somebody else. Like, oh, you know, hey, how'd that soccer game go? Oh, that soccer game was great. Hey, you also had a soccer game. How'd your game go? And like trying to get the group to interact with each other and let the kids see that they have a lot in common. Just trying to close those boundaries, like peer connection, peer communication, let them talk, let them have fun. Didn't matter your age, didn't matter gender, didn't matter your abilities. It was just come in, have fun. And we got so much out of that. We got so much... Self confidence growth out of the kids and mm-hmm. just happiness that, that that's what made it worth it. Like, that's my gym environment, and, yeah. and that's what we were able to create, and that's what made me excited.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. What, uh, so typically, what group size did you work with, and how many, how many people did you have staffed, or yeah, what, was it one to how many? Yeah uh, um,
1: I had a very small space this is the first space that I I was I guess testing out as a gym owner um, I say that I was a performance gym but I only had 15 yards wall to wall okay so there's not a lot you can do with an athlete in 15 yards yeah. so for my five-year-old that was great they can get up to full speed and slow down in 15 yards mm-hmm. but you put a high school male in there and in four steps he's at the other side of the wall you can't do a lot so yeah. I had to get creative um, so my group groups were very small. Ideally they were four people, three or four kids. Um, if we got upwards of eight, it got to be a little crowded. Um, it just, it didn't flow as well. So because of my space, I had to keep the group small. Um, I was, it was really only me for the longest time. I did hire one other coach on and he was only there one day a week. And I, again, the space is so small that I I just couldn't do a lot. Like mm-hmm. we couldn't run two classes at the same time, mm-hmm. so he had to do a class. I gave him Wednesday, so that Wednesday was just his day. He could do what he wanted, mm-hmm. and then I wasn't trying to fight for space or anything like that, um, because it was a learning experience all the way around. On how do I own a gym? How do I how do I work this? Um, and how do I have a staff member? And so yeah. he was very flexible. He came on to to just help me. He I was very upfront about. Who I am and where the gym is at, and he was like, "I'm on board with that. I'll help you out however I can." So having his flexibility was really nice. So mm-hmm. I just kind of let him do his thing, and yeah, we kept the group small. So it was, I I organized them by um, abilities. So again, okay. having those high school girls with the 11 year old boys, ability wise they were same. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to put the 11 year olds in my maybe 11-year-old group with the younger kids because these boys were such high-level athletes, they needed to be doing the complex stuff. Yeah, You know, their body control and their awareness was already at that level Mm -hmm. so they could be in the older group because I did have it laid out by ages just as a general guide for people. Yeah. But for the most part, if you were able to have an attention span for an hour class follow directions and follow directions <laughs> and not be so goofy silly because i did learn my lesson a couple times where you know i put the wrong athlete in the wrong group and mm. it you could see that it just didn't work you know they were too silly and they pull the whole group off mm. you know maybe maybe physically they could do it you know they could last for an hour they can keep up with the workouts but mentally You know, they're still in elementary school, so they can't work with the high school kids Mm -hmm. because they're just not quite there. So I would keep them. At a lower class just because then it flowed better mm. and they would you know they could be silly it allowed them to be their age yeah. and be silly and work in that younger group because we were prepared for that in the younger group yeah. not in the older group where we got more serious about our training okay. so trying to keep everyone in flow but with a group of four five maybe even six it was pretty easy to balance the dynamics of that and keep it flowing in that space
0: awesome yeah. so let's go ahead and we'll talk a little bit about uh the injury if you're yeah. okay with that and uh yeah. so well how long was your gym open you told me you closed it down due to this injury right
1: yeah yeah I started in the park because um, I was scared when I first said I was gonna <laughs> open my own gym and I was like yeah maybe not I'm gonna start in the park so in total I ran my business for five years oh wow um beginning like All the workouts under my my business name to when I had to close it due to my injury, it was right about five years. Um, The lease that I had on the indoor space was three. So I ran an indoor space for three because that was was the duration of the lease for that one. Um, And the injury
0: was pretty much the main reason for closing, right? That
1: was the only reason. Yeah, Um, okay. So you
0: were rocking and rolling still. Business-wise.
1: I, oh, it's so hard to say that. Yes, uh, it was. Um, you were
0: sustaining. It was sustaining.
1: <laughs> um, and then everything just just switched. Uh, life is really interesting, the way that it, it plays out and gives you sometimes exactly what you need, not always what you want. Yeah. Um, Yeah, business was good. I was happy. I was starting to figure things out on how the heck do you run a business? Mm-hmm. I was starting to understand my role in all of that. And... I was looking at expanding. Um, I I was going to expand to 13,000 square feet. Wow,
0: big step up. And
1: I was going to take a major, major, major jump. I was in 1,100, and I was going to go to 13,000. And I was doing that because I had planned for years on exactly what my dream gym looked like. Mm -hmm. I have a notebook with notes on when we get to a bigger space, this is going to be how this is run. Or, you know, when we get to a bigger space, make sure I make note of this bill going to be more expensive. Or I already had everything laid out. So for the years that I was running the small space, I was planning a big space. And that's what I was focused on. So I had everything. Again, on paper, it looks perfect. Hey, I can make this expansion to 13000 It was a brand new space. It was gorgeous. It was absolutely perfect. Um, so I was trying to get that space. And huh, that's a really long story on its own. But... The city came back and said, no, you will not move there. Um, it was not zoned correctly. It was an industrial building, industrial zoning. They said a gym cannot go in industrial, even though there were five other gyms on the same block. Hmm. So karate, dance, gymnastics, CrossFit, all right there. I didn't yeah. think it was going to be a problem. Um I fought for that building, fought like crazy. I had four different realtors who all treated me terribly. I fired all of them because not one of them would listen to what I wanted. So I fired all of them, and I decided to go after this building on my own. And I had my lawyers in, in in my corner on this and learned a very expensive financial mistake that you don't let lawyers do your contract (laughs) Mm. because every negotiation is a few hours and dollars out of my pocket. Um, But learning lesson there. So as I'm fighting for this building, I'm having the lawyers drop the contract for the space. I did put a clause in there that said, if the city doesn't let me do this, I'm, I'm out. And that was fine. We agreed upon. So I had this space. I was also fighting another CrossFit location that wanted it. I was the one that got it super proud of that. I was like, all right, that's me. That's, Mm. I negotiated that. Like I'm a pretty quiet person by nature. And I had to really step (laughs) up my game to like fight for this and stand up for myself. So that was a, a personal victory. Um, so I had to keep fighting with the city. I eventually worked this to a meeting of every head of the city department that I was told had never happened before. And I managed to get this meeting of I couldn't even tell you who was in there. I just know it was every head of every department, you know, zoning and and whatever they needed to be in there to make this decision. I was trying to get them to change the zoning code. And I had their own paperwork. The city had drafted a plan a year before that said they wanted to remodel this whole area of town. Um, And I brought that plan to them. And I had every reason that made complete logical sense to say, hey, we need to switch the zoning. I should be allowed in here as a gym. I fought for the hour in that meeting I was told no in every single way possible. So politics is really messy and really frustrating (laughs) and they were able to look me in the eye and lie straight to me even though their paper that they had wrote, the people that had drafted that plan were in that room and they would tell me that no, that doesn't apply to me and I would show them the highlighted part that said yes, it it does apply directly to what we're talking about. This sentence is exactly what I said. No, you're talking about something else. Mm -hmm. No, we can't apply that. No, that plan's really old. It's a year old. No, I'm sorry, that that doesn't, whatever I said, they had a counter Hmm. to not hear me out.
0: Why do you think they were trying to Fort your uh, project so hard uh,
1: politics just, <laughs> just uh, because they could yeah i really think it's because Power i dynamic yeah i really i say it because i'm a fitness healthy person and that was a room full of non-healthy cranky okay. people yeah <laughs> so
0: you, you the, come across that the, for sure
1: that they just didn't want to deal with it honestly mm-hmm. and i was challenging them I remember the parking guy, because he told me, he was like, even if you got this change, you wouldn't have enough parking. And he snapped at me. This man, I am up here. I'm standing in front of this group. This man has his shoulder turned to me, his back, the entire meeting. He won't pay attention to me. The very end of the meeting, he finally decides he's going to look up and talk to me. And he goes, even if you got it, you wouldn't have enough parking. And like, just snaps at me. Uh-huh. Like, I'm in a room full of these professionals that are not able to speak to me. Mm-hmm. And so I saw a really interesting dynamic there because as a fitness professional I'm usually working alone like mm-hmm. you know we don't necessarily deal with corporate or, or bosses more or right. less we kind of do our own thing yeah. you know we set our schedule we have you know maybe the gym owner that we talk to but it's usually a pretty relaxed environment mm-hmm. for me to go into a very strict city run government meeting was intimidating, but they have rules that they stick by and Mm -hmm. they will not budge from them. So long story short, I fought that, I lost. Um, The world's really funny though, because there's now the CrossFit in that location. So I am the person that follows the rules. I was doing everything to get the laws changed so that I could follow the rules. I asked for permission, the CrossFit moved in illegally, asked for forgiveness and they got the laws changed because the city didn't wanna have to go and evict them. So that's that's the hard part that you have to swallow as an adult and say, that is the truth of life. I got treated really and fairly for doing all the right things Mm -hmm. and the people that did all the wrong things got what they wanted.
0: You think they had some personal pull?
1: I always wonder that. Um, Plus, I'm a female. They're a male-run gym. I have to wonder if that was part of it. Yeah, Um, it's you know it's it's it's, again it's the dynamics of the world like that that is what it is. And I was bitter for a while, but I have to look at the big picture because I got out of that lease that I probably would have been in over my head on Mm. like financially. It probably wouldn't have worked out on paper like I had planned, and then i ended up getting hurt and so i really believe that this major injury um, that tore almost everything in my knee and required surgery and a year and a half of physical therapy i couldn't have done that if i had that major gym Mm -hmm. that i had i would have signed the lease in april i got hurt in june had i had that lease there's no way Mm -hmm. i would have been bankrupt because I would have signed this lease that I would have been obligated to fulfill mm-hmm. with no physical way of me being there to run my gym, and I only had one other staff member that wasn 't really there, like yeah. he was there one day a week i couldn 't have just handed in my gym and said, "Here, run it." So I got out of that lease because I had to. I lost the space, I had to swallow my pride and move on and I had to close my other gym because I had given up that space Mm -hmm. because I thought I was moving into the big one. Mm -hmm. So I said, go ahead, find a new uh, tenant in my current spot. There's no way for me to stay. They had found a new tenant. So I had to move no matter what. And so I moved out. I moved into a temporary spot. That also got really awkwardly messy. But I had to close out of that temporary spot. And the week that I closed, I I knew where I was going to move. I had another place in mind. And I was like, okay things are too chaotic. I'm going to close down because I'm tired of taking my members through all the chaos. Mm -hmm. I'm going to close and I'll take a week off. I'll come back. I'll, you know, I'll look at the lease and then we're going to reopen again on better terms. And in that week off is when I decided to head up to the lake and try water skiing. And that's when my ski didn't pop off and tore my knee. So because of that, the gym was already closed Mm -hmm. and on really awkward, crazy terms that you just you couldn't even come up with if you were just trying to come up with a crazy situation yeah. it was this really weird thing of everything's laying together perfectly as everything's falling apart yeah and it was a really weird point in time to try to figure out why is everything aligning like my dream and falling apart at the same time where i can't keep it together yeah. and then when i got hurt it was this big eye-opening moment of wow my life was really messy Good thing it's already shut down. I get a fresh start. And that's that's really where I feel very blessed. Because the universe handed me exactly what I needed of, no, now is not the time you open a new gym. Mm-hmm. Now is the time you focus on you. We're going to give you the time to refocus on you. I was too stressed out from trying to run a gym by myself and a new business by myself. I had lost my own health, my own fitness routine. And... Telling yourself it's okay, like it's okay. I'll get, I'll get it back at one point. I'll get it back, and that was my absolute plan. But the universe had bigger ideas and said, "No, you're going to stop right now." And so, with the gym closed, I was able to just focus on me, and that's where I'm at currently. So I, I will get a nice clean slate and fresh start.
0: So in a way, your injury kind of happened almost at the perfect time. Yeah, you're saying, yeah, yeah,
1: it really did, and and that's why I say that this is my injury. Um, You know, I was water skiing. It was a a perfect day. Um, It was a gorgeous, sunny day. The water was flat. There was nothing that went wrong. Um, It was literally my first time up water skiing. I've always wanted to try it. This is all at my own will. I wanted to do it. I popped right up. First time the boat takes off, I pop up, I'm water skiing, and I realize I absolutely hate this. (laughs) I don't like water skiing. What am I doing? Why did I think this would be fun? This is a terrible idea. And I hated it. And so I decided, you know what? I'm done. I let go of the rope and I did not do what I was supposed to do. You're supposed to just let the momentum slow you down. I freaked out and I rolled into the water and with all that motion and my ski not popping off, that's how it tore my knee. But that's why I say it's my injury because my left ski popped off fine. The right one did not. And it was just a freak thing it should have popped off it you know people crash and burn water skiing all the time i did nothing different i rolled into the water as if you know i would have if i just crashed water skiing it was this one freak thing that was truly meant to happen for me and i say that if it wasn't that it would have been something else it might have been a car accident it might have been something else because I clearly needed a reset in my life. Very Final
0: Destination-esque.
1: (laughs) Yes. It was was meant for me. And the the moment that I woke up in the hospital after surgery, I had to have vascular repair. So after some emergency surgeries and everything of me being knocked out, by the time I'm actually awake and kind of conscious the next day, the hospital staff is coming in, fantastic hospital staff. They're also very happy, but they comment on how happy I was. And it was in that hospital bed that I learned how much stress I was suddenly relieved of Hmm. because I'm in a hospital bed. There's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. I can't force myself to work on a business. I can't force myself to do all these things that I was forcing myself to do. Mm -hmm. I'm in a hospital bed. There's nothing I can do. Like I can't even move my leg. Can't get up and go to the bathroom if I wanted to. Like there's literally nothing that I can do. So that release of stress was my big aha, like, oh my gosh, I'm happier stuck in a hospital bed than I have been all of six months trying to move my business and get everything back in order. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's not okay. The fact that I'm happy in my current hospital bed situation, was a big moment of, I need to change my life. Mm. Like I need to make some serious changes because I was so stressed and so not happy and not myself that this gave me, I guess, a good reason or a good excuse to say, no, I have to stop. Like I don't have to run the gym. I don't have to go work out. I don't have to do anything. And I was extremely blessed because my parents took care of me. Mm. So I was able to focus a hundred percent on rehab. So, um, you know, I got healthy meals. My mom's a phenomenal cook. So she was making me meals with whatever I wanted, whenever yeah. I wanted, like I'm, <laughs> I'm hungry and she'd make me a, a healthy meal. So I was eating healthy. Um, I was in physical therapy constantly. I had an awesome team helping me there. I'm motivated to get better because I knew there was nothing I could do to change the situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, As bad as it was, there's nothing I can do to go back and make it better. The mm-hmm. only thing I can do is move forward and make it stronger. Mm-hmm. So right away, I learned the only way I get my life back is if, if I want to be a performance coach. I had got to analyze that and say, do I really want to keep training? Do I really want to go back to that life? Mm-hmm. And if I do, I need to be strong again. Mm-hmm. And I decided that, yes, I do want to be a trainer. It's truly what makes me happy. I had lost all of that. In the chaos of trying to start a business mm-hmm. and just I lost myself I, I didn't have any friends in my life I was very lonely I was very frustrated I was very stressed and just kind of got lost mm-hmm. in all of that and so this allowed me to really take a step back and say who am I again like what makes me happy that's what drives mm-hmm. me for everything what makes me happy what do I need to do and it's it is training that's what makes me very happy I, yeah. I enjoy being around people I enjoy making their lives better. I enjoy letting them see that they can get better and and teach that. So having this last year and a half to 100% focus only on myself and my knee strength, my whole body strength, my mental strength, and focus on me has given me so much more calmness, confidence, and and clarity that I, I couldn't find in the moment of being so stressed. So it's a really weird blessing, but it's what it took to knock me down so that I can get to where I want to be. You know, I was fighting. I had this vision of where I want to go and what I want to do, but now I really know. And now I'm more confident and more happy about taking that route because I'm not struggling constantly every day to like tell myself, oh, it's okay. It's going to get better. It'll get better when I do this. It'll get better when I do this. No, it's going to get better now because I'm focused on me. Mm. And that's the biggest lesson I've had to learn is I wasn't focused on me at all. As a trainer, you get pretty good at helping others mm-hmm. and pouring yourself into others and you know whatever your client's schedule needs to be, that's your that's your life. Yeah. And so I had lost myself in all of that and coming back to find myself and my own strength and just to find out who I am as a person, as a professional mm-hmm. and what I want all that to be in my life that's what's changed everything for me. Like the ability to look within and say, yeah, this is who I am, do a lot of self reflection, self growth, and put it on paper and say, you know, writing things out, clearing all those stresses out of my head and, and getting it on paper has been just what's released me from a lot of stress. And you know, I hang on to a lot of stress. I internalize everything. I, I don't do a very good job of getting that out. I do usually take it out in workouts, but I wasn't doing that. So I had to find a new way to release all that confusion and, and frustration and, and it would it would come out on paper. And once I would do that, I would learn, hey, it's not so bad. Like, you know, these these things that I sit with and go over over and over and over in your head, like it's really not that bad. You write it on paper and you realize, you know, maybe the things that you had going on over and over in your head are really only two or three sentences. Once you actually write it, and you're like, oh, well, that's all I was mad about. Well, I really wasn't that mad or confused or that frustrated. Okay, I'm over it. But as long as it stayed in my head, I was just weighing myself down. And that's the life I was living was I'm frustrated, I'm sad, I'm, I'm lonely, I'm stressed, I'm I'm putting on a happy face because I like my gym and I like my clients, but deep down when I'm at home, I wasn't happy yeah. and I wasn't acknowledging that. so because I was pretending to be happy and just you know moving through all that and, and not really acknowledging it. So the fact that I've now allowed myself to, to work through all of that again, has just lifted all of this stress for me and it, yeah. it's really helped clear my head and know exactly what I want to do, and even more so now motivate others yeah. even more and, and, you know, use that new energy and new clarity that I have to pour into others and, and help everybody else. Yeah. So, I think
0: um, that's big, important for trainers to learn to put your own oxygen mask on first because oh, yes. if, if you can't start there, then everything else is eventually, I mean, you might be able to keep it up for a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's going to burn out on you real quick. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always.
1: Yeah. I think that's a very important thing for for trainers to learn or you know or for any anyone. medical staff too you know that any job any physical therapist any any, therapist. any
0: service job where you're helping someone yeah. else you've got to remember to keep helping yourself as well and not the yep. sight side of that yeah
1: yep. you see it a lot in in like even in the physical therapists that were helping me um, and I'm guilty of this too as I said earlier like I was the trainer that didn't do my own workout because my life is active. It's okay. I'm 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 moving around with clients all day I'll be okay. You know, I see that in physical therapists. You know, a lot of the physical therapists that I have been around, they don't work out. Hmm. You know, the ones that are helping with my knee, I'm like, well you know, what do you do for workouts? they like, oh, we don't.
0: Like,
1: okay. And in my head, I'm like, but you got to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like, You got to make sure that you're still focused on you. That doesn't have to be a workout if, you know, that's not your thing. Right. But you still have to focus on you to some degree mm-hmm. because when we do so much for everybody else, I think we get this mentality of I'm helping everybody else so therefore I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Like, Clearly, I mean, I couldn't help somebody else if I'm not okay. So clearly I'm fine. I got this under control. But we have to take a step back and be able to yeah, like give ourselves the time to whatever we need, downtime, you know, saying no to that one client at 6am because you need to sleep is more important than the 20, 30, 40, $50 that you'll make, Mm -hmm. you know, and understanding that, you know, your time is more important because when you finally hit the end of your bucket and you are completely dry, your clients aren't going to get anything out of that. So, you know, you won't be able to get any farther because you're completely empty. So, and that was a big analogy that I, I had learned through through reading and understanding all this was you know once your your cup is full then it overflows to everybody else and that's how everybody else gets full mm-hmm. but if you're empty there's nothing you can do mm-hmm. you know you're gonna be you're gonna be stressed out and you're gonna be the one hurting so to be able to not just read it, but to be able to live it and apply it has meant all the difference. You, know, you can read all the books and understand like, oh yeah, I, I think I should change that. The book says I should change. You know, All these different self-help motivator people that are out there and on YouTube and everything you can listen to and, and follow, it, it only goes so deep until you actually apply it. Mm. And I think that's where I was stuck is because I was training people and I was reading books and I was listening to all the motivational things. I wasn't really doing it. Like, mm. I wasn't really taking the time to stop. And I wasn't really taking the time to say, wait, I need I need a break. Mm. I need a mental break for a second. And now that I have done that, it's so hard. But again, I got forced to do it. I got forced to say, no, you, you will stop. You yeah. will now heal at the speed of your knee, which has taken a <laughs> year and a half. So I've learned to be patient. And I've learned that in that time to just focus on me. But the reward from that is so great. So now, now I feel ready to, to keep myself balanced because I, there was a fear of, okay, if I go back, am I going to end up right back in that same spot? Because I know how quickly that momentum goes of like, okay, yeah, you need that. And you need that time. And you need that time. And, and okay, let me do all that for you guys. And now I know that I'm going to have to balance that out for me. Like, Mm -hmm. no, now I understand that I can say no, and I can, put my priorities on the schedule too, Mm -hmm. and that's what I am going to make sure of as I go back and and redesign this life and get the gym open again and, and do all these other projects that I want to work on, it's going to be to make sure that I make myself a priority in all of that too.
0: So besides the time off just to think about and reflect on things, has anything in your recovery process sparked any new changes in the way you're going to approach or what you're thinking as far as the next goal?
1: Yeah, you mean physically? like.
0: Uh, for you and yeah. for business and just life, you yeah. know, what, what I, all, all encompassing. All yeah.
1: Um, Gosh, I have gotten such a big understanding of the nervous system and with everything, you know, from what I was just saying of, you know, giving yourself time and, and calming down, mm-hmm. but also with the knee, I lost everything. It was, it was completely gone. Muscle activation, everything's gone. So... I really learned the importance of the nervous system and how much it really does get burned out because it, you know, when I was in a wheelchair and being rolled around to all these different things, I wasn't physically doing anything. Mm-hmm. But if we would go out to eat and it was a noisy environment, I'd be done. So mm-hmm. for me, just to even sit up in the wheelchair in a noisy environment trying to eat my, my meal, I would have to go home and spend the next couple hours laying down in quiet. And that was a big realization for me. I was like, wow, like I'm kind of obsessed with the nervous system too. The more I train, the more yeah. I, I like to understand, like the nervous system drives a lot yeah. of, of everything and mm-hmm. nobody really talks about it or because it is so scientific and still so confusing for us that we still don't understand it. but trying to understand that the nervous system needs to be something that we train mm-hmm. and that we focus on, meaning that we give it time off. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's how you train and, you know, recover your nervous system is, you know, you give yourself downtime, you give yourself rest days. And, and I've learned that with the knee on how much I really have to slow down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a physical therapy session, in the morning might mean I'm napping the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And again, I've been blessed that I can do that. My schedule is saying, okay, you know, you can do that. But that's what I've been able to learn and take from is how much the body can really do, Yeah. one, and and how, you know, just because you feel broken, the body is still so much stronger. Like mentally, physically, it doesn't matter. It will always do so much more. It's Mm -hmm. so cool if you just let the body do its thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because my knee, while I, I did tear... A majority of the ligaments, there's no repair in it. It scarred down and it healed itself. And so that was the other big thing for me was, oh my gosh, I was told in the hospital when it happened to expect an eight to 10 hour knee repair surgery and not a knee replacement. They were going to be able to go in and and repair a lot of the ligaments um, and, you know, to expect a long surgery with that. Well, because of the way everything played out, the next doctor didn't get to go in and scope or look at anything for about six or seven weeks so, in that short amount of time, six, seven weeks, my knee went from completely torn, 90 degrees the wrong way, to being scarred down, totally healthy on its own. Now, not, wow. I, I mean, I can't walk. Right, or, no weight or bearing do. or that. But yeah, but it was
0: alignment and things yeah. are connecting at yeah. least. Yeah. Yeah
1: they, yeah. they were like, no, we're not going in, we're not repairing anything. Your knee has, has scarred down. It's repaired itself strong enough that we're not going to go in and repair anything. And I remember looking at the therapist and the doctor going, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Like, it's fine? They're like, yeah, it's it's fine. We're not, you, I mean, you're going to have to rehab it and it's mm. going to have to get stronger. But as far as it being a joint with tension in there and, the structure, and the, yeah, the structure, it's fine. Like, we're not repairing anything. Oh, my gosh. So, again, just being able to see how cool the body is yeah. and how amazing Like having the right mental attitude is everything because I came about it as not mad at myself. I came at it as nothing I can do. This is my life right now. How do I make it better? Mm -hmm. How do I get back to being as strong as possible? How how do I get back to running, jumping, playing, and being the athletic person that I like? I love rock climbing indoors, but (laughs) I haven't gone outdoors yet. But I love being on a spin bike. I love rock climbing. Like How do I get back to doing those things at this current point when I can't even, you know, I can't walk, I can't move, how am I going to get back to that? You train it. And I knew again, from my training experience that if you give the body time, it'll get stronger. So I was like, all right, that's all I got to do is just train and give it time. Only this was very small steps very baby steps. And just, so I I learned that the body's amazing and Mm -hmm. mentally, physically, if you want to make a change, you can change Mm -hmm. whatever that is. You know, if, you know, you're never been in the gym before and you're like, oh, I, I can't lift weights. I was that person that was in the gym, unable to barely walk, picking up the lightest weights. And now a year and a half, I'm I'm body weight squatting. I'm not really using a whole lot of weight. But but
0: I'm, how much more is that than it was a year and a half ago, right? A
1: ton. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I was... I, I now, I guess, I have more respect for... I'll say respect and... I don't know the word, but I guess... I'll be tougher on coaching at the same time I'm a little bit more respectful of people's boundaries because as a trainer, yeah, yeah. because as a trainer, it's always like, I know you can do it. We see potential. We Mm -hmm. know where we can get people, but maybe not quite as quick as I was going to. Maybe, again, back to nervous system, maybe back to their own uh, confidence in themselves, Mm -hmm. maybe giving them a little bit more space and leeway, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I also understand how hard you can push the body. Yeah. And it's going to be fine. Yeah. So I have that understanding now of you really just have to suck it up and do it. Like, yes, my knee hurt like crazy to bend it mm-hmm. and get it back, but it's fine. You have to suck it up and do it, but if you do it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of given me this really weird, like, okay, I understand the body. So maybe if someone comes to me with an injury you know, post-injury or something, maybe I can say, okay, we're going to take that real slow where maybe before I would have maybe pushed it a little yeah. bit quicker. Cause I, I, I didn't have the therapy background Yeah. Um, and the patience and how small of a drill you mm-hmm. can do, you know, and how to scale it back. But at the same time, now I also know that if I have somebody post-injury, that's just sandbagging it and like, Oh no, that hurts. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. Like I've been through it. I know you can do it too. You better suck it up because we're getting through that pain because Mm -hmm. I know what's on the other side and, and working through that, you know, with the mental part too of, of course I had days where I was like, I'm frustrated. I'm mad. This isn't changing. This hurts and pain is exhausting. And those are the days you don't do anything. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm just like, you know what? It's not a day to, to force it. It's not a day to do anything. It's a day to rest. It's a day to nap. It's a day to watch a movie. And, I my old brain would have said that's a waste of a day. Mm. Like you can't just sit and watch TV. You have to do something. You have to do something productive. Take yourself forward one day, not backwards. Now, if it's not a day to train the knee or train the body or maybe I'm even too tired to read a book, then watching a movie or taking a nap is as productive as I need to be. Yep. And that's
0: sharpen the saw.
1: Yeah, and that's okay. exactly where, you know, that will get me ahead the next day because the old self would have pushed through it
0: and then been fried.
1: Yep. And then it only would have dug a deeper hole. Now that rest is like, no, now you rest for a day. Maybe the next day you have a half day where you kind of bring back the energy. And then the third day you're going again. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. You know, now I'm a lot better because I I gave myself all that needed downtime and I Mm -hmm. pay attention to it a lot more. So I will make sure that, you know, moving forward, that's a big part of our, our program moving yeah. forward is I'm actually going to restructure our training blocks to where I will close down the gym for a week every three months-ish. Mm. And I'm actually going to work in, like, my members will take a rest. My staff will take a rest. Oh, wow. Because a week off is not going to take you backwards no. at all. Like, it's good for you. Yeah. Because... I would see, too, when I was training, um, you know, clients that would go on vacation yeah. four or five a week or two weeks, whatever those vacations would be. Most of the time, they'd come back happier because mm-hmm. they were not working. They were on vacation. You know, right. it's not just the workout part, but they would come back like, hey, I'm happier. That first workout is always terrible. Doesn't matter. The first workout back is always rough. But after that, they're so much better, you know. Say that we were working a new technique, like a deadlift, something that's like super complex to get. Mm-hmm. That can take many different steps. You know, if someone's back isn't right, or you know, their their knees are buckling, or something, if they're just not getting that super complex system, we can drill it. We can drill it. We can break it down. We can do all these things. Those people would go on vacation, kids or adults. They'd come back and they'd be able to do what they couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. And then they'd all be like, "But I took time off. How did I get better?" nervous system like your brain it rewired it you gave it a break and now like that's that's how your body got better it's not because you're in the gym with me it's because I'm teaching you things in the gym while you're not with me that's when your body's recovering Mm -hmm. and healing and And fixing and and learning so now taking all of that I'm going to write our program specifically that way of we'll have two three months of a block of whatever we're going to work on, we're going to make it that focus, you know, for the kids maybe it's acceleration, you know, we're going to we'll still train lateral, we'll still train strength, but maybe for the that block we're mostly focused on acceleration. Let's make sure everyone is getting all of these cues. Mm-hmm. For the adults, you know, whatever it, it may be. Um but then after that block, we shut down for a week, nothing. Like you can do whatever you want, take a week off. Come back, our next block will start. We start fresh, we do something different, you know, that next one. So I am going to work that in, um, more so for my staff, for myself, but for the members too because it's, it's important to, yeah. to take those breaks and, again, to teach people. Take break.
0: And that's okay, and it's better to do it. It's not yeah. the, yeah, you got to get up, hustle all the time, every time, and just go, 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 and yeah. drink more coffee, do whatever. Yeah, yeah no, it's, suck
1: it up and get through it. Yeah, because... no, balance
0: it, find that, yeah, I'm, yeah. you could ask anyone here, I'm, I'm obsessed with sleep, nice. always people tell me that and stuff, but for the same reasons, because of the, the learning improvement it gives you, the just physical recovery it gives you, and yeah. the, the, the stress relief it gives you, but yeah, I'm. We're on the same page there nice. that, yeah, you got to balance it all out. It's there's, there's a time to hustle and get after it. Yep. And there's a time to be like, I, I, I don't have it. Why run myself into the ground and diminishing returns, all of that, yeah. you know, recover, reset, and then the next day you're better. Yeah.
1: yeah. And yeah. I as I've learned from the knee, those rest days, you're – falling apart or not good because that's when your body's trying to learn that's when it's trying to lay down those new patterns Mm -hmm. so you know I can use my knee as the best example because it literally had to relearn everything like a baby all over again like standing oh that's what standing feels like that's what walking feels like that's what calf raises feel like like every little thing was had to be reintroduced and I'd go to therapy two times three times a week And I would have those workouts where it was just like, no, everything got worse. I would listen to my body go home, rest, and I would realize that that was the time that everything was changing in my knee. That's when scar tissue was getting broken up. That's when the new neurological patterns were being laid down. That's when the body was doing its changing, Mm -hmm. so it's not going to give you a good workout because it's already trying to make its own adaptations to what you just taught it. Now give it the break. Let it do its thing. Even though you're not physically sweating, you're not thinking it's doing anything, internally it's working like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I saw that because I was eating a ton. I was eating massive amounts of food, weight never went up, I never felt, I just ate for how hungry I was, and I saw that me being lazy, laying on a couch for the day, I was eating more than when I would work out, I'm like, wow, that's how much my body is working hard yeah. with me laying here repairing everything, I don't have to be physically doing anything, my body's doing all of it, I just need to nourish it with good food, and so it's those days where you're like, man, it's just, it's not there it is there. You're, it's just something going on that you can't feel or understand. Mm -hmm. So give your body that space and then, and then go back to the next thing, but don't force it. Don't rush it.
0: That's awesome. So that's kind of your programming philosophy side. What are you thinking business-wise going back down to Florida going?
1: Yep. Yep. We'll get the gym open again. Um, that's definitely going to happen. I'm very excited for that. Um, it will get open in the way that I want it to open, though. I always said before, it was a test. Um, the first location that I opened it, it was a retail space. It was not a gym space. You know, it didn't have high ceilings. It didn't have the fun garage door that I want. It doesn't have... It was a retail space. It was mm-hmm. not a gym environment. And I made it the best that I could, but that I, I went into it knowing, okay, well, I didn't get that, but I can learn many other lessons. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to open... It won't be the dream gym. I'm not going to go all out with the dream gym right. first step. But at least now, again, I've learned my lesson. So let's open it in a, in a bigger space so I can at least have bigger groups or, you know, a little more weight equipment or something like that. So I will get the gym open again. Um, with that, I want to grow and expand on the empowerment of mental health for kids and for families. So... With what we see in the gym of growing their confidence and, you know, peer communication, their self-confidence improves, their ability to apply themselves in school improves, their self-talk, just the way that they're talking about, you know, their goals and stuff, all of that improved. And since I can't open the gym right now, how can I create that same benefit for kids? Mm -hmm. I want to start a family empowerment event where... Like on a Saturday, we bring in the whole family and the parents go do their thing, the kids go do theirs so that the family members are getting what they need respectively to make a thriving family. So how can I empower the kids to put down their devices? Now, again, we live in a life that, that's never going to happen. We're never going to get rid of technology, but we have to understand how to work around it. And that expressing yourself on social media isn't always the right thing to do and mm-hmm. because you have haters then commenting below you doesn't make you a bad person right. it's because they're teenagers and they can say whatever they want online Without and,
0: almost any consequence
1: exactly yeah. and then how do you not take that personally and i want to teach the kids you know just because you're seeing something online doesn't mean that you have to apply it in your life you mm-hmm. know you see famous people doing these cool things it doesn't mean it has to be you you know you see kids in your school wearing these clothes that think make them cool well why, why? Like, that, that doesn't make your life any better. And so how can I build up the kids because that's who I connect with? How can I build them up in a way that I would see in the gym and, and educate them on a bigger level, but then also having the parents get takeaways from that too. And you know how do you be a better parent? How do you understand your kid in this? and how do you communicate better? And so that, that way when the family leaves, they're all on the same page, more or less. You know, in the gym, a kid might get dropped off, they'll have an hour with me, and then they're back to their family, they're back to their friends, they're back to that routine. Mm -hmm. And then I have an hour with them eventually again to you know, instill whatever we're gonna talk about. But if I do this family empowerment event, the parents, the kids, we're all getting the same kind of information and then they leave for the day, and then it's,
0: it's hopefully, it, yes,
1: can. hopefully going to bring them together, hopefully going to make everyone aware, you know, how to eat healthy and, and, you know, have that conversation where, hey, maybe we should make something different for dinner. <laughs> and the kids are on board. It's not just like, oh, mom, I don't want that. Like, because the mom knows, dad knows that they need to eat healthy, but the kid doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa, you know, they'll come work out with me. And go, okay, I need to go home and eat healthy, but then mom and dad aren't on the same page. Yeah. So
0: Kids coming home, but Laura said. Yeah, I like, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Laura said I need to do this. Well, I'm not the one buying their grocery bills, so yeah. it, you know, it, it doesn't, doesn't always line up. So how can I create that same thing? So my goal then would be to run these family empowerment workshops um, Often, I don't know how big they're going to be. I don't really know what they're going to be yet or how often we can do them. I want to pull in different experts. I want to have a bunch of people that can come in and, and speak on that. Uh, but then also be able to have that, if I do them locally, as a funnel to the gym. Mm. So it's kind of this whole picture of like, okay, hey, you came to the event. Now if you want to come work out, that's who we are as a gym. Like, mm-hmm. You see that we're going to talk about the same things at the gym. We're going to have that same attitude. Like, we're going to continue to grow on everything that we've done here. Yeah. So... And that's a brand new idea for me. Um, it's a brand new project that is going to challenge me to grow um, and have fun with it. So I'm, I'm still putting the pieces together on that. But that's, that's all come about because of the knee and me sitting at home going, how can I get better? So uh, for that, I'm super thankful because that idea never would have come about, or at least not in the way that it has, yeah. um, to say, hey, I could do something really cool in a different way. And to get me out of that training mindset and and do something different out of my own comfort zone and challenge myself to grow. So yeah. that's the goal: is reopen the gym. Um, I, had, I got a couple new certifications that I'm really excited about. So to implement um, some new training programs and just just on a, a on a scale that I've I've always wanted. So that's my plan. Yeah.
0: And then what about Laura? What's next for her?
1: <sighs> I don't know. I think that's I think that's the exciting part. Is I don't really know going back to Florida, who I am. I found myself here mm-hmm. in Ohio. Who am I when I go back to Florida? I don't mm-hmm. know. Because when I left, I, I didn't have friends. I didn't have a boyfriend. I wasn't in any sort of l- uplifting relationship that, you know, I didn't have people in my life. I mm-hmm. had my one coach that we kind of passed as I would say, Hey, Jim's yours. Good night. See you later. Like he was the only person that I would really see and talk to because I, I was so caught up in the business life and Mm -hmm. the stress of that, that I totally lost myself. And I, I lost those connections with people. I still have acquaintances and people that, you know, I can say, Hey, and maybe go have lunch with, but, um, I don't know. I don't know what that means when I go back because I know that I need that in my life. And that's the part that I lost. So I don't know how that is gonna play out. But I do know that for me it's going to stay a focus on me and mm-hmm. and doing, you know, things that allow me to be happy and, and focus on recovery time and just not getting so caught up in the chaos of having to have a successful gym. Yeah. There's so much more to it than than that. So just trying to find happiness in, in other ways that I've never allowed myself to do that yet. So I'm just excited to, to go back and take it one day at a time, yeah. kind of much like the physical knee rehab, like, all right, now let's see what yeah. Laura's life is like one day at a time. And,
0: and put it with back that, another. so what about that? What about physically? Any
1: Physically, what's, what's it's still like, going to be... goal for
0: this year, I guess? Or? Rock climbing. Okay.
1: Rock climbing and to be able to do a handstand. All right. Those are my two big goals. Uh, because when you're rock climbing, you got to be able to bend the knee and you got to be able to put it at funky angles. Mm-hmm.
0: And support the weight on it. And support it.
1: the weight. And I'm happy if I can pick my foot up off the ground at this point. Yeah. So the idea of going rock climbing... Is exciting to me because it's safe. It's mm-hmm. it's not plyometric in any way. You put your foot on the rock and you push. So it's it's still within the range that I can challenge myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't be able to run. I won't be able to jump. I don't know if that's on the plan for this year yet. I'm not going to rush that. Mm-hmm. But I do want to do maybe a spin class would be on the on the list two okay rock climbing get back to a spin class and i've never been able to do a handstand so why not start now exactly. there you <laughs> like go practice yeah. get my body to loosen up because everything tightened up when the knee oh yeah tore everything All my connected. back my hips everything's connected so trying to get my body to calm back down and loosen up and just learn some new skills so All i'm right. excited
0: well before we part ways why don't you uh you kind of told me, but give a little insight again, because you have a podcast yourself that you started on yeah. the nutrition side. Why don't you tell people about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, it's it's something new for me as well. Again, just another project that I get to challenge myself on. Uh, it's called Two Minute Nutrition Mindset, and it's it's just that. It's two to three minutes of quick little ideas to get you thinking about nutrition or about yourself a little bit differently. So we stress so much on on our food, and we feel so obligated to do whatever's on social media or do whatever's on the news or do whatever's popular, that if we're not doing that, we put stress on ourselves. And I I don't think it's useless. It's it's all wasted energy. So why not change your mindset, give yourself something successful, and understand yourself a little bit more? Mm -hmm. So it's just quick two-minute little clips of it's nutrition mindset with the idea that you're trying to understand a better relationship with food, but we're not talking how many macros. We're not talking what should you eat. We're not talking the diets that are popular right now. We're talking about the mindset behind your nutritional choices. Mm-hmm. And it's all just two-minute clips, so it's, it's totally random, but it's something you can just tune into real quick, listen to, and be like, oh, huh, that was interesting, and maybe try to get you to change that direction on how you think about food and, and not be so stressed out all the time.
0: All right. Well, there we have it. Laura, thank you very much for coming in and taking the time to sit down with me. Why don't you uh, tell people where to find you at, Instagram, websites, whatever you got. um, Yeah. Where to find your podcast, anything like that.
1: Yeah. Um, My Instagram is probably the best link right now. Uh, That is TrainerLaura1. So TrainerLaura1. Um, at Instagram, Um, it's probably the best. Facebook is also um, a good resource right now. It's uh, Coach Laura Rogers or Trainer Laura Rogers on on Facebook. So those are my two, I don't have a website right now since the, the gym's down. Um, but the gym is called Top Notch Training, and we're located in St. Petersburg, Florida. So Coach Laura's Top Notch Training, there's a few of them out there just kind of with that general name. So I had to put my name on it to make it different against you know, stealing somebody else's idea. Uh, but yeah, Top Notch Training is the gym. We'll eventually have a website back up. But I try to keep Instagram updated with with all those links and everything so at least i have one source of of everything that's going on so if you go to trainer laura one on instagram you can also see the link to the nutrition it's a blog it's also a podcast um, you can see a few other things that are going on there so
0: all right and for everyone else listening uh, you know where to find me adaptive training principles on instagram and come on over to cff over in the east side of cincinnati if you want to check us out get a free movement assessment consultation and we'll get you started thank you very much bye